Hello and welcome back or welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mullins. Today I interview Sheila McInerney, who's entering her 36th season as the head women's tennis coach at Arizona State University. In that time, her teams have made 32 consecutive NCAA tournaments and 18 round of 16 appearances. She was a four-time All-American at USC and also competed in Wimbledon, the French Open and the US Open during her time as a professional tennis player. In this conversation, Sheila reflects upon her time as a coach, how she stays connected with her players, how recruiting has evolved, and we also discuss her service to college tennis and the bigger picture. Hello, Sheila. Welcome to the ITA Coaches Podcast. Thanks, Dave. I'm excited to be here and... uh hopefully give a little bit of insight into into my 36 years as a college tennis coach so yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah no we've we've lots to get into and and uh yeah many many years of college coaching perspective to to discuss so with that being said can you maybe talk us through how college tennis has evolved over the course of your 36 years in the game yeah i mean i think you know even going a little bit even before that sometimes you know uh, my my playing days as a mm. as a collegiate, you know, I played under the AIW, which was the association association for the athletics for intercollegiate women, and um, so basically, you know, the NCAA and that, you know, that was up to until nineteen eight through nineteen eighty one, and the NCAA came in and sponsored, you know, college women's college collegiate tennis in nineteen eighty two. So, okay. you know, before the NCAA came involved, I think it was, you know, it's it's good to know the history of of women's collegiate tennis. I mean, we had some unbelievable pioneers like Ann Pittman, Virginia Mack, Kitty Harrison, Joan Johnson, you know, Ann Valentine. They, they basically paved the way for collegiate women's tennis. I mean, these people, you know, very few of them, they, they were part-time um, coaches. Many of them worked in their athletic department and actually weren't even paid um, or worked in the university as, as professors, as teachers. And Many times they weren't even paid um, by the athletic department. Um, mm-hmm. My predecessor, Ann Pittman, you know, earned her PhD and, you know, was on the faculty at ASU and, and actually never, never received a salary from ASU for, and she was there for 30 years. So um, I think it's a great historical perspective for, for all of us to have that, um, you know, college tennis and being sponsored by the NCAA wouldn't have even probably occurred if it wasn't for, some of these these particularly women that that I mentioned who really paved the way for all of us. Yes, wow, that's uh, that's incredible to hear. I mean, so so you know, uh, you're coming at it from a player perspective, and then uh, you were an assistant coach for one year, was it at USC? Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I played at USC, um, graduated, then I played professionally for three years, mm-hmm. um, and really enjoyed it. It was a it was a great time. I was fortunate enough to play in all the majors except the Australian Open because at that time the Australian <laughs> was over Christmas time. A lot of the Americans didn't play it. It was right. a long way away. That. It was, yeah. you know, you know, it wasn't as popular Grand Slam, um, and it was expensive to get there. So it was a little bit different. But uh, fortunate to play, you know, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, and in the French. So you know, it was it was a great time for me. And but you know, I always I think in the back of my mind, I was more of a journeyman. You know, I wasn't a great player and. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the, a lot of the, I think your coaches come from sort of that, that sort of level, not the most talented people, players in the world, but the ones that, you know, really had to sort of grind and, 
and sort of love the love the game and mm. and um you know I, I think that's probably why I'm coaching I just you know I've been involved in tennis for you know over 40 years and and um and love it and it's been very good to me and hopefully I I feel that you know hopefully I've given back some to to the great sport of tennis for sure mm. okay and so do you have a maybe a favorite coaching story that impacted how you approach your day-to-day responsibilities as a head coach? Is there any, anything that really stands out to you that kind of maybe puts you on a, on a new trajectory or a new course um, because of, of uh, a situation or experience that happened as a coach? You know, I, I don't know if it's really one. I do remember it's, it's funny, you know, because when I coached, uh, you know, I started in 1983 season and back then you know you really you didn't have an assistant coach mm-hmm. you know you basically the old thing you were the chief cook and bottle washer so you did everything you know assistant didn't really have trainers you know you were sort of the academic advisor for the team you know you ordered the equipment you basically made the hotel and airline reservations you fundraised um you know i re- even remember when kids would miss class i mean as a coach you were the one who wrote the class excuse to the professor saying, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, Susie's going to miss her, you know, and they, you gave it to them and they were fine. You practiced exams. So, you know, you basically did everything and, you know, then, you know, you ran practice, um, you know, back then I still could, you know, hit pretty well. And so I did all the individual hits. So I remember one day sort of at practice, I was, you know, it had a long day, you're, you know, making reservations, doing this, you ran practice. I was hitting with one of the girls, you know, one of my, a, a very good player and, um, you know, sort of, you know, at the end of the day, and I think it was just sort of whiny, you know, being sort of a baby and like, oh, God, it's such a busy day. I've done this. I had to do this. And I got, I still got to go home and I got to recruit. And, you know, it was one of those days. And, and you know, she comes up to me, you know, this 18 year old kid is like, you know, what, what are you complaining about? I mean, you don't think we're busy? You know, I had four hours of class. You know, I've got group projects. I got two tests this week. I've got practice. We've got weights. You know, I mean, basically she said, you know, we're all busy. So just sort of shut up and do your job. Wow. So I think sort of from there was like, okay, I mean, she's right. So, um, you know, I think it's one of those things that we're all busy. We're all just enjoy what you do. And, 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 you know, just, you don't need to tell somebody how hard you're working type of thing or what you have to do. And just, uh, everybody works hard. Um, you know, including the student athletes. I think sometimes we forget that because, you know, we're, you know, you just come out and tenant your practice is sort of the sacred ground for you as a coach. And, you know, they've had busy days too. So I, I think I've learned to really sort of appreciate the, the plate of the student athlete, I guess, <laughs> that they're pretty busy. So I think that's sort of, like I said, I, she really put it in perspective and, mm. you know, probably one five minute or two minute conversation just that, hey, coach, you know, just quit complaining and get with it. So <laughs> the shoe was so on the other foot. Lesson. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. And then, um, so with that, uh, do you remember what year that was by any chance? It was probably, uh, I, I bet you that was probably in about 1986. Okay. Yeah. So, this is one of my, my first recruits, uh, you know, who told me. Yeah. So. Okay. She sounds great. Um, do, well, do, actually, I don't know how to give names, but it's Laura Glitz, who's now the head coach at Purdue. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. She probably doesn't even remember who said that. And I, I, I don't even know if I've ever told her, but, you know, when I yeah. sort of going over some of the questions, I thought, oh, geez, I, I do remember that. It's funny what, what comes back to you. Yeah. So no surprises that now she's uh, she's in the coaching game. So that's, Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So, so with that, have you, I mean, you've been doing it so long now, ha- have you 
just anecdotally, have you seen big changes in each passing generation? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of talk out there and, and coaches say, you know, I think older generations are guilty of saying, oh, you know, the next generation, they're, they're this, they're that, they're the other, they're not as good as we were. Um, but, but really, have you seen, you know, these changes, you know, through the years and, and if so, what are they and, and maybe how have you adapted each time? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, you know, um, I'm not so sure that there have been over the years because I was uh, obviously it's had a long career. I don't think there were as, as many big changes. I think there were sort of gradual changes, I would say. But I, I do feel, and I think some of the, my colleagues would say the same thing, probably over the last, you know, five or six years, I think um, the changes have, have become, I think, uh, quicker. And, and, you know, I've always been big on, you know, trying to, I think it's coaches. Because I think the, the key really is building relationships with your players. Mm-hmm. And I think I've always really, knock on wood, you know, done a pretty good job of that. I think, you know, just the nature of our sport, while we're a team sport, you know, we do a lot of one-on-one individual, whether it be hitting sessions with the kids. So you sort of get to know them pretty well. And, and you know their day-to-day activities and you know what who has a test and this and that and um but i also think it was you, you sort of probably knew a little bit more about them even when you recruited them mm-hmm. um you know the old days for me was you know you call them on the phone and you know they'd answer the phone or their if they didn't their parents did so you, you really got in, engaged probably more into conversation with them mm-hmm. um and i think now just the recruiting if you ask you know, myself, a lot of our, my colleagues, I think that's probably been the biggest change. And the one that's almost happened the quickest is, um, you know, now obviously you recruit more by, you know, you're on Instagram, you know, uh, Facebook, now it's text, yeah. text messaging them. You really probably don't um, interface with them probably as much maybe as, as you used to in the past. I think you get to know them as well, because I think that you've got to communicate the way they do. But like you said, with you know, seeing what they're posting on Instagram and their Snapchats or their, you know, their, you text with them a lot more, I think, than call them, I, mm-hmm. I think. And that just, I think that's their sort of their preferred method. So mm-hmm. for somebody like me, who's certainly, you know, older than, than, than these, a lot older than these kids, I think that's been a, you know, sort of a, something I've had to really adapt to. Um, I think I've got a, you know, really good, you know, uh, young associate head coach. And I think, you know, I used to do all the recruiting, I think, by myself, uh, mostly. Uh, we used to recruit just primarily Americans. And now as the competition has gotten, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, stiff. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly you're recruiting internationally and stuff. And, and so I think, um, you know, I, I think I've learned to, you know, delegate, uh, you know, some of uh, the recruiting responsibilities to, you know, to, to him. And he's done a really good job. Because I think that's the key is, you know, trying to get to know these kids you know, even before they come to school, because I don't know if they've, they've changed as, as people, you know, mm. as, as much as just sort of, you know, what's, what's expected of them and, and, um, you know, just the, the whole, um, you know, from an athletic scholarship, things like that. When I first started, you know, most of these schools didn't even have full right. complement of eight scholarships. So it's, 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 it's changed certainly. And, but like I said, I think for me, probably in the last five or six years, uh, I think the recruiting has, has changed. I think okay. I know for me, and I would say for most of my colleagues. Yeah. So in terms of their their day to day commitment to training, to competition, um, to working within a team, you feel like that's just 
is still person to person. It's not that there's a generational shift there. It's just more in the the recruiting and and the the um, you know communication with them. I mean, even how you're maybe communicating with them as a team that you're using technology more than than. But in terms of just h- how they're operating on a day to day and and how they're competing, it's it hasn't really changed. Is that fair to say? It, no, I don't. I, yeah, I, I would agree. I don't. I don't think it's. Um change too much but I think you have to approach them differently certainly mm-hmm. as a coach and I think that's how you sort of try to get them to compete you know because that's that's really the word you know that they've got to compete you know it's, it's a, there's a lot more competition you know for everything whether it be grades whether it be mm-hmm. jobs when they get out of school whether it be certainly and just obviously the aspect of of college tennis there's, there's more programs and that do really good jobs there's better coaches now so the whole you know, competition um, is is definitely wrapped up. A, a you know, a, you know, quite a few notches. No question about that. And um, so, I, I think even from a from a coaching standpoint, I think you've got to, you know, make sure that um, you're doing everything you can, whether it be, you know, having even, you know, outside people coming in to to help. I think most schools now have whether you you have people come in and or you're doing a lot more reading and things like that and mental toughness and, and just, um, you know, motivation and, and things like that. Because I, I think in some ways I feel it's, I don't know if you say it's tougher to motivate kids, but I think kids have so much more now than they've ever had that mm-hmm. nothing is that big a deal to them. You know, you used to be able to give kids, you know, you know, new shoes, whenever they needed or Ford rackets, or you went on these trips and now they sort of been there, done that. <laughs> so I think as a coach, I think you, you have to be, you have to sort of reinvent yourself. You always have to get better. Mm. Cause I think these kids are smarter. You know, they've yeah. had more coming into school. You know, when you first start is like a lot of them, you know, they've had some private coaches, but not probably as much one-on-one cause you know, back in, you know, years back, I don't think kids paid for as many lessons and had private coaches and were homeschooled and tennis was, was, was such a focus. Um, it was one of the things they used to do. So I, I think as a coach, you've got to adapt and realize that these kids have had a lot. Mm-hmm. And so just by, you know, rolling out a good practice and things like that every day, I mean, they're, they're used to that. So you've got to make sure that you're impacting them and they, they feel that, uh, you know, they're improving and you're actually giving them new information and, and material, if that makes sense. Right. No, it makes perfect sense. And I think so many people and, and a lot of coaches as well, they're they're not willing to adapt. They're not willing to change. So so what is it within your makeup or maybe your experiences that you've recognized that you've had to change, you've had to adapt, and then how have you gone about that process? You know, I just think that, you know, obviously it's, you know, I'm not, I have, didn't coin the phrase, if you don't get better, you get worse. So, you know, you you've always have to look to improve, particularly in our standpoint. Like I said, when I first started, you, you didn't have the competition. You had these, these great schools that, you know, maybe had three scholarships or they didn't have the indoor facilities. And, you know, if you were a competitor, you know, I, I certainly like to win. I mean, I think, you know, knock on wood, play within the rules, but you know, I, I think it's important to, to be competitive. You, you realize you have to adapt with, with anything, whether it be for me, the hardest part is probably the technology and things like that, but I've got to learn to do that. But, but from a coaching standpoint is, and I've always been really, really fortunate. I think uh, that, you know, it's sort of like you can't worry about who gets credit, you know? So mm-hmm. I've always surrounded myself with really good people. I've been so fortunate to have, 
I don't even call, I, I'm always even embarrassed to call people sort of my assistant, you know, I, mm-hmm. whether a co-coach or whatever I've had, you know, Ronnie Bernstein, you know, who's now done a great job at Michigan, you know, was with me for a year. Josh Boffey, who is mm-hmm. now at South Carolina, you know, Paul Reber, who was with me for 10 years and, and was a head coach at Oregon. He's moved on to the, the private sector, but, you know, I think I've really been involved with some really good coaches. My, uh, you know, Clint Letcher, who played for our men's team, you know, was, was helping me. And, you know, he got to, you know, junior Wimbledon quarterfinals type of thing. And now Matt Langley, who's our associate head coach, is just really good. He's young. He's he's innovative. He loves tennis. I've got, you know, he has so many more drills and things like that. I mean, yeah. you know, I think in the old days, I thought I ran a good practice. You sort of had your stopwatch out there you hit three minutes across courts and four minutes two minutes of down the lines and you know things like that and you thought you ran a good practice so mm-hmm. I think you you know you just you just really learn all the time I think mm-hmm. whether it be through reading and I've actually learned a lot from just other coaches you right. know just sort of picking their brains and what works and you know, even for me you know going to whether it be coaches conventions or you know whatever you mm-hmm. know just to, to learn you always You've got to be willing to learn. And I, I think I've learned as much from either your players. I think that's another thing. I mean, I really try to have them, particularly the new ones coming, hey, what drills do you have for me? Or, you know, something new. We, we have let the kids run practice sometime to get a, a feel for, you know, what they think is a good practice. So I think you have to, you definitely have to adapt. There's no question, you know, because I, and I think, that, you know, the old saying goes, I mean, with kids, they don't really know how much you know. They you want to know how much you care. So I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's important, but, um, but you're always looking to get better for sure. No doubt. Yeah. And surround no. yourself with good people. Don't, don't worry who gets the credit. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. Yeah, no, well done because I, I like I said, I, I know a lot of coaches struggle with that. And it sounds like you've just opened yourself up to, to learning from, from everybody possible and, and been willing to implement. And like I said, not, not looking for, for the credit and, and, uh, that's a great lesson for for any coach and um yeah a big reason why we're doing this podcast so that that the coaches can learn from from one another through these conversations so um and then is there anything anything that really stands out to you through your years that that was maybe a very difficult uh, pill to swallow at the time or or a situation that you found very challenging as a coach but again kind of maybe uh change your perspective on on coaching and has has um allowed you to be maybe become a better coach because of that challenge is there anything that that comes to mind here? yeah you know dave i'm not sure if there's any one particular thing but i i think i don't know i think this is probably with all coaches i know for me you know i had a you know was quite successful we had good teams in college was unfortunately on three national championship teams but you know there wasn't a lot of competition back then so you know, now you go into every season and it's just, you know, you're thinking, oh man, every match is going to be tough. And, you know, so I think probably for me, the most difficult situation, I think probably a lot of coaches, just handling the stress through the, through the spring season, mm. you know, the fall is pretty nice. I mean, you love the, you know, you're really doing a lot of teaching in the fall. You're on the court, spend a lot of time in the spring. It's, it's basically, you're playing, it's competitive. You love that. Um, but I, I think it's, it's stressful, you know, no question whether it be, you know, injuries or, or, you know, kids losing confidence or this or that. So I think on a daily basis, you're just, you know, you're just trying to, you know, do a good job motivating and managing your team and getting kids better. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a scoreboard too, wins and losses. So I think probably mm-hmm. in my early years, I, 
I really took losses really, really tough. You know, not that I don't now, but I think you, you know, in order to stay in this game a long time, I think during the season, you're always going to feel stressed, but I think you have to sort of learn how to, how to manage, um, you know, losing, I think, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And, and um, you know, uh, and even for, it's really important uh, for your team, you know, right. because obviously from a coaching standpoint, if you're sort of they're, you know, stressing or pouty or whatever after a lot, I think, I think it really affects the, the kids on your team because remember they are student athletes after a match, they got to go back, you know, you might go home and think about the match or whatever. And they, they're going, they got to study, they got an exam, they got this or they, you know, so mm-hmm. I think for me, probably the most difficult thing, and it, it's an ongoing thing is, is learning how to handle the stress of the season. And, and I think it, it, you know, perspective comes with age and, and being in it a long time. And, and I, th- I think while we sometimes think that, you know, winning and losing is, is the, is the end of, you know, the end of the world, you know, particularly losing, I think you have a good perspective on, you know, what really is a successful season. I mean, there's only one team that wins the national title. I remember Jeff McDonald telling me that one time, like, Sheila, look, only one team wins the title anyway. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, you can't stress too much or we all be dead, you know, type of thing. So right. I think that's always a sort of a good perspective. Like I said, you, you know, Mm-hmm. Learn from your your peers too, because we're all sort of in this together. I think it's a it's a it's a common thing that you know the the spring seasons is pretty stressful for all of us. So mm. you know, really try to handle it as as best you can, and and realize you know look at the big picture. I think is is super important. I've I've gotten better at that. I think for sure. Right, and yeah, it it is a tough thing. So do you kind of look back now and go, wow, did it? Did I really need to stress and worry as much about you know that season as as I did? I mean, is that you know how how do we get I guess younger coaches w- without that perspective? Like it's you know we can sit here and say, look, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> you know, worrying about it isn't going to change it. But are there any any tools that that worked for you other than gaining that perspective? Is it is it having mentors to speak with? Is it um, you know, having your own, I don't know, health and wellness regimen or, or something else, or is it just, uh, it just takes time. It's, it's a little bit of everything. It's experience, yeah. but I, I do think it's, 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 you know, having mentors and I, I think it's really important for all of us to, to have coaching, coaching buddies too. I've got a lot of friends in the coaching business and whether they're, they're my age, you know, well, there's not too many older anymore, <laughs> but young coaches, you learn from all of them. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think you just have to sort of put your, we're all sort of, we're all peers. And yeah. so I don't, you know, cause I, I actually really enjoy um, interfacing with a lot of the young coaches coming, coming up and, you know, and it's, it's really fun because, you know, it's, it's, you just realize that there's no difference. I don't care if you're 25 or you know, 55, it really, we're in the same, in the same profession. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes it's the same thing. You, you look back and you think, oh my God, I can't even remember that match two years ago. <laughs> and then you, at the time you're like, <laughs> or five years ago, think about it. What, who, who the heck cares what you did five I know. years ago? So yeah. I think it's, it's all about moving forward. And I think that's, that's the key, even whether mm-hmm. your administration is like, okay, the season's over. And remember I was talking to one of the coaches at the coaches convention and they sort of had a sort of a tough year and he goes into his AD and it's like, you know, the guy's AD is like, God, you, you had a great season. What do you mean I had a great season? He's like, oh, your kids are great. You, you know, you, <laughs> you're doing well, you're doing well in the community. And mm-hmm. you know what? Everybody's not that focused on you. Cause I think sometimes you think it's, it's, 
the end of the world all the time and you're the only program that the athletic department has but it's, right. you know, i think it, there's, there's a lot of a lot of ways to run a successful program certainly winning is important i certainly mm-hmm. don't want to de-emphasize that but but i think there's many ways to feel you've had a successful program and i, I think that's the the healthy way to look at it uh long term yeah. for sure no, that's great advice, Sheila. So switching gears a little bit to to kind of all the all the work you've done for college tennis through the years. How many years now have you been the chair of the the D one Women's Operating Committee? You know, and I, I, I Dave, and I, I hate to say it, I'm not even sure. It's probably been <laughs> at least fifteen. At least fifteen. I think some of these committees, once once you're on them, it's like that black hole. They don't they don't let you. They never let you off. I remember I started you probably about thirty years ago. I was on the yeah. rules committee, and Carol Carol Plunkett was a another pioneer in college coaching at San Diego State. She retired and sort of I took over for her and I don't think I've, I've ever been off these committees since. And that that was a long, long time ago. So yeah, probably it, maybe better if I don't if I don't remember how many years well, I've been on these committees. Well we we appreciate it. I know how it, it can suck you in. But what why where does that desire come from to serve? Obviously, you were asked to, to, but but not everybody stays in it for as long as you have. So where does that desire to, to serve come from and, and why have you been willing to do this for so long? Yeah, you know, I, I think I've always in, enjoyed, you know, um, getting to know my colleagues and, and, you know, I've always enjoyed the history because, you know, I've been in a long time, obviously, before the NCAA was even even uh, sponsoring women's you know collegiate tennis, I mean they sponsored the men for you know many many years, and um, so just knowing having that historical perspective, you know like I mentioned earlier, you know some of the women's coaches who sort of paved the way for all of us without getting paid, and you know it, it was actually incredible. But I think probably the tipping point was at was what, at one of the uh, coaches' convention. I, I think it was on the rules committee because, like I said, I had taken over for Carol Plunkett and. At the at the convention was Dick Gould, and I think most of the people know who mm-hmm. Dick Gould was. Probably the probably the most you know influential tennis coach in, in college history. I mean, he's won right. 16 national titles. His coach at Stanford, and certainly you know incredibly decorated and, and well deserved, and stayed relevant for years and years and years. And, and I, I remember at the coaches' convention once, and he was always at the conventions, whether he was on a committee or just in the crowd, and. He was a participant or he was a speaker many times. And, you know, one of the things he said that really stuck with me is like, like your university and your athletic department does not owe you a tennis program. Yeah. Um, you know, we're very fortunate that, that, you know, these universities are supporting collegiate athletics in general and collegiate tennis. And um, so he basically said, look, it's essential for you to make sure that your program is relevant on campus. Mm-hmm. And there's different ways to be relevant. Obviously, winning is is relevant. If you know, like Dick, and he won 17 national titles, but you know he's done way more than that. He started the Palo East Palo Alto program for right. mentoring kids. It's a lot like tenacity that Dave Fish, you know, has done at Harvard. Um, you know, he's fundraised um, tremendous amount of money. If you look at the facility at Stanford, they've hosted NCAA championships, um, just everything. So I, I think for him. You know, just the fact that somebody as Dick Gould would come to every convention, would speak, would give his time, that it really resonated with me. It's like, woof, if Dick Gould is saying that we need to make sure that we're paying back and making sure that we're, we're growing the sport of tennis on our college campus, then, then certainly I, I certainly can do my part. So I think, you know, once, you know, once I got on these committees, I, and then I just really enjoyed it because I, mm-hmm. I do think, um, 
it's a coaches committee. It's a coaches association. So basically, you know, certainly with the help of the ITA, with you know what David Benjamin started, now what Tim Russell is continuing, it, it certainly we're we're all very involved, and we sort of have shaped you know a, a fantastic association. I mean, right. if you look at at what we've done, really, it's it's unprecedented. I think in in college athletics. I mean, you've got the mm-hmm. you know for all all divisions, the the ITA regionals, the fall nationals, the kickoff weekend, the indoors. You know, it's the ITA All Americans. The NCAA takes our our, our, our rankings and right. uses them to, you know, make selections. You've got sportsmanship award, community service, all academic teams. So I think what the ITA has done and what they've encompassed for all levels of college tennis is, is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I think why we have such a good relationship too with, with the NCAA. Um, I think they have a lot of confidence in, in what our coaches have done and, and just being on these committees, I think, you know, uh, you really realize that most of the coaches are um, even more than most of them are, are really in it for the good of, of college tennis. I mean, just got back from the convention. You've got, you know, you've got, um, you know, Brad dancers, his teams have done well on the committee. You got, you know, Billy Pate's been on there for years. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, starting off with Louise Gangler and Lebedev, Kent DeMars, you know, now we got some of the young ones, you Christina Morris, Amanda Augustus, you know, mm-hmm. Sasha Smith, who's, you know, sort of co-chair. So I, I think it's, it's fantastic that, um, you know, we're continuing to grow and, and it's a, it's, it's a great organization. I think sometimes people don't realize maybe all that um, college tennis really encompasses. And, right. you know, like I said, for me to start 36 years ago, when basically in the fall, you, maybe you played one or two tournaments locally and, you know, you had, you know, and you played your dual matches and, and, you know, pretty much conference matches. You didn't travel much. You very rarely got on a plane. So, mm-hmm. you know, what, what the association has done over the years is, you know, to transform collegiate tennis is actually incredible, to be honest yeah. with you. No, it is. And it's, it's uh, amazing now for, for me to be on this side of it and, and learning exactly just what goes into it. And, and like you even mentioned the, the convention there and, I started in August and to see already how much work had been done on the convention that was four months out and then everything that went into it that I know <laughs> as a coach, I, I really had no clue as to as to right. what was what all goes into it. And it's 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 a lot, but it's uh, no, it's, it's great to hear that Sheila and, and any young coaches listening um, would definitely encourage them to take note. But, you know, as we talk about that, I mean, as as young coaches, Look, there. I'm assuming that they want to do it as long as as you've been doing it, and and they want to stay in this a really long time. I think sometimes they don't recognize that, you know, there'll be decisions made, you know, whether it's you know in the next few weeks, months, years, that will will impact in some way the future direction of college tennis. And I think sometimes, I mean, just as maybe say within the political process some people are you know they just don't want to be involved oh my vote doesn't count why would i bother voting and and don't think they have a say but i I think what you and i are trying to get across to coaches that know that they do have a say their say is important and i think sometimes we put out surveys or we ask for feedback say i mean i was i was a a regional um chair and, and operating committee member so i remember being at um you know, regional meetings and and looking for feedback from coaches and and not uh, not always eliciting as much feedback as I would like. So, uh, you know, why why I guess from your perspective, 
would you encourage young coaches to get more involved in that process and, and why is it important and, and maybe how can they get involved? You know, I, I think it's um, in some ways that hopefully it should be self-explanatory that if you don't take, you know, Dick Gould can, can take an active role in, in growing the association, growing the sport with as much success as he's had in knowing you know, how important it is. I, I think, you know, we all really have to take that responsibility. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a big responsibility for all, mm. all of us, but it, it can, it can evaporate in, you know, very, very quickly. Right. You know, if you think about it, I mean, you, you, if people don't, you know, continue to work and, and serve on committees, it, you know, a lot of these things go away, you know, the, whether it be the regionals or the mm. indoors or this or that, it just, it, it really happens. But I also think it's, it's it's very important because I think when you come back from like the convention and and for me it's it's it, like I said it's been really fun to see all these young people particularly on, on the women's side to see a lot of the young players what young former female players who've played college tennis and they're just you know that Roni Urosky who just graduated from Michigan to you know she's now at Penn State and seeing all these young ones I mean I recruited half of these kids <laughs> that are either assistant yes. coaches or college coaches so to see them in the game and to realize that, you know, what a great sport we have, but, but we need them to be active. We need them to, to get into the coaching ranks. And then I think when you do that and whether you go to the convention or to regionals, you're out recruiting. I think what you, you also realize is that we're sort of all, we're, we're one family. We're all in it together. And I think you learn so much from each other because we go through the same things. I mean, I don't care if you're, you know, the top team in the country. I mean, we've got eight to 10 kids on the team and you've got to motivate them every day and you got to make sure they become really good citizens once they get out of school. So I think all the, the things that, um, that involve, you know, whether it be college tennis or your own team, you know, uh, it's, it's important that the, the coaches take an active process in, in, in all aspects. Uh, like I said, I think we, we do want these kids to come out as better people. And, and if we don't really preserve and, and grow the association, then it, it doesn't happen. But, mm -hmm. but I also think even from a, from a coaching, a collegial standpoint is, is, you know, I, even as a, as a junior player, most of your, a lot of your, my lifelong friends are former tennis players. And I, I think you find that the same way in the coaching ranks. Uh, for me, obviously I've been in a long time. Some of my, my great friends colleagues, mentors are, are either college coaches now, former college coaches, um, and even even the young coaches. I mean, I, I really get a kick out of um, the fact that I think that they appreciate uh, some of the coaches that have been in it longer. They're sort of looking to you for a mentor and things like that. And when I talk to a lot of them, it's like, trust me, I don't know much, that much more than you do. Maybe, maybe you think I do, but I can certainly learn a lot from you. And I, I think that's, that's really important. So in addition to just being on committees and making sure the association grows, I think just the, the camaraderie and the collegiality that, that all of us need to have, I, I think it's, that's what makes athletics in general. Because when people get out of sports, whether they be, uh, you know, Federer or, you know, Peyton Manning or whoever, I mean, the thing they'll talk about is you, you miss the relationship. So mm. I think that, that certainly when you're on a team, I think you feel that way once you graduate, your teammates are always going to be your best buddies. And, and mm. hopefully from a college, like I said, I know I'm repeating myself a little bit from a collegial standpoint that, that the coaches are going to be your, 
your some of your your best buddies and lifelong friends and and just influencers and you're going to learn a lot from them so i i think it's important to to share and and then you don't feel like you're you're sort of on an island you're you always have a resource to go to um from your team if you're having a problem with a team or a player or just even to learn new drills or or whatever i mean because there's there's so much learning that we all need to do um, for sure and i think like i said i think dick gould really probably as much as anybody instilled that in me he's he's always going and learning and evolving and and being um you know just a real good advocate for for tennis for sure yeah and then sheila just just lastly so i mean you've talked about yeah the the importance of learning the importance of staying open to to different people's uh, views ideas younger generations older generations and also uh, getting involved but is there any other piece of advice you'd give to a young coach listening anything that you'd you'd uh you know ho- hope they get right or or um you know at least uh give them some thoughts to think about as as they move through their career going forward you know, I, I think, you know, your coaching career is going to go by quickly. It, it is funny. It's hard to believe when people ask me, I mean, this is my 36th year at ASU. It it certainly does go by quickly. So, you know, I think enjoy it. And like I said, I think enjoy your teams, enjoy your your colleagues. Um, winning winning is certainly important, but it's it's definitely, in my opinion, it's not, it's not the ultimate. And I, I think, um, you know, sort of learn to define what success uh, what success is in your, in your own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, you know, Jeff McDonald said, Hey, only one team wins the national title each year. So know what, what you feel makes your program a success or how you feel from a coach, you know, what, what makes you a success and, and sort of run your own race. Um, every, every program is, and every coach does things sort of, um, you know, within their own, character and ethics and morals and things like that so i think it's really important to to know who you are and and like i said i think it's important to know what what you feel uh defines uh your success and i think with that being said then i think uh you know most people won't do that by wins and losses and i think that's a really a much healthier way to sort of survive in this uh not not even survive prosper in this profession for for so many years because you know, once you once you're out of it, you know people are going to pretty much remember you by by who you were as a person and and how they they viewed your your teams. Yeah. Um. You know, overall, and I, I think that's it might be corny or old school or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, for me, that's sort of how how I you know determine and and define success. So I I think every everybody should you know sort of define their own success, and and it, it's going to be different for everybody, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with that by any means. Well, Sheila. Well, thank you. That's that's great advice, and uh, I'm excited for for young coaches to to listen to what you had to say today. And and uh, yeah, personally, thank you for for uh, for everything you do for for college tennis. I appreciate your service, and and uh, you've been a great role model for for me and my generation of coaches as well. So thank you. Well, thanks, Dave.
Thanks as always for listening to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Uh, Coaches, just a brief message. Hopefully you've been receiving information about the Tennis for America Year of Service program. Please continue to share this with your graduating student athletes and any players that have graduated in the past couple of years who might be interested in signing up. If you have any questions, just email me, dmullins at itatennis.com. Next time on the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast, I interview Kevin Epley, the 2019 ITA National Coach of the Year. You don't want to miss this.